I'm Marlo Higgins, and I've spent nearly four decades as an entrepreneur building boundaries around time and energy. I am captivated by stories of creating that mythical balance between priorities and success without the guilt and fear of missing out. I'm a to-the-point business coach that helps start a company, rebrand another, and launch my own. Now I'm running a thriving online brand with the white space in my calendar to spend time with my family, nurture my soul, and create an impact in our world. Are you dreaming of striking a balance between a thriving business and a joyful life? It is possible, and it starts with you. Get out your field notes, and let's tap into Peaceful Achievers, inspiring you to create a vision, level up your skills, and show you how to set boundaries that support the life you desire. This is 22 Minutes to Having It All. All right, this is Marlo, your host of 22 Minutes to Having It All podcast. Now, we have Sunil Godsey on the episode this week, and Sunil is the CEO of Radical Solutions Group, and the conversation we have is the power of intuition. Now, I always like to say that intuition is our oracle. There's a lot that goes into being an intuitive leader or an intuitive entrepreneur. So this is an episode you're really going to get a lot out of. Now, Sunil shares that there's two clear stories that validated the impact of his intuition. One of those, he started as an engineer, as an Asian male, and he lost all of his money in Silicon Valley. And he came back and rebuilt his empire based on the intuition that he has. So he's going to share these stories of how he was actually going to meet one of his business partners. And for some reason, something told him not to go to that meeting and she was gunned down. He would have been with her if he would have attended the meeting that night. So again, Sunil has so much information. He talks also about the four types of intuition and then witnessing a pattern and recognizing the past and how to tap into that to have greater understanding. He's also the host of two very powerful podcasts himself, and one is about intuitive branding. And then the other one is about removing relationships that get in the way of your success. So listen in as Sunil shares his powerful stories. I'm grateful to have him as our guest on 22 Minutes to Having It All. So enjoy this week's episode. Now we have Sunil Godsey and I'm really excited because this conversation, we're going to be talking about pattern recognition, the four types of intuition and stories that that Sunil has experienced that has really proven specific experiences to show how intuition really is a powerful thing. So Sunil, thank you for coming. You're the CEO of Radical Solutions Group. I'm just excited to have you as our podcast today. So welcome. Thank you so much. We're looking forward to dropping some knowledge bombs today and giving tactic for people to get in touch with their intuition for those listening and watching. Okay. So right there, drop one of the bombs. Like, okay, intuition is a really big topic. You and I have spent some time discussing it. How did you get into the space? Like, I mean, you're an engineer by trade and you have shifted yourself into focusing on intuition. So there's a very big gap there. Talk to us. Yeah, absolutely. So the whole reason why I got into it, after I wrote my first book called Fail Fast, Succeed Faster, the premise of that book was that if I wrote stories of failure, then those entrepreneurs or business people looking to get into business should be reading that book saying, okay, I'm not going to repeat that. So they should be able to succeed faster, which is the whole premise of that book. And when I used to go on stages around the world speaking after just having my book launch, one question I kept getting was, so Neil, tell me the one thing that is going to help me succeed. And I'm like kind of rolling my eyes going, okay, 
look, I didn't come here with a cue card or a PDF sheet. Like this is a 400 page book here until I went back to the audio recordings. And when I went, when I went back to the audio recordings, 80 to 90% of the, I interviewed close to 300 people. A lot of them, 80 to 90% of them said that I either, they ignored their gut, they ignored their intuition. They knew what the right decision was, but they didn't take it. And it was all surrounded this thing called intuition. And so I, I said, wow, I need to really take a deep dive into researching what this is. And so I got to a, an academic database, typed in the word intuition, and 53,000 articles showing with MRIs and stuff about intuition, more than two-thirds of that on intuition in business, more than two-thirds of that on intuition and relationships. So relationships in business was a huge part of intuition. And so that's when I wrote my second book called Gut, where I put a lot of the MRIs and the studies and case studies of the different types of intuition. And so very, very quickly, we'll get into some of the science behind intuition. It actually happens when you when you have an intuitive thought, it hits the amygdala, which is the base of your brain. It's the fight or flight. So you're either going to be eaten by a saber-toothed tiger or you're not. And that's the difference between what I call positive signals and negative signals. Negative signals means that there's a saber-toothed tiger, there's danger. And positive signals means that uh, you're, you're not going to be. It's very, very simple. That's it. And so we each have our own inventory of signals because we're, we all have unique experiences. And one of the things that I thought about intuition was that you're, are we born with it? Because when I was five years old, I remember there were these video games that my dad, I wanted my dad to buy. He said, no. And I did, had this distinct voice that said, Sunil, go door to door to raise money. And I did. I took my two and a half year old brother in tow in his diapers and we raised $200. $100 went to my dad and the other $100 went to charity. And so that was my fresh, first brush with intuition, which was this voice. And so an academic paper showed that infants as young as two months old have been shown to have intuitive tendencies. And then further MRI studies have shown that intuition happens on average seven to 10 seconds before we make an actual decision. They tested this on entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs made on average seven seconds. They hit their, their intuition hit them on average seven seconds before they made a business decision. So it's tested in the personal professional area. And that trust, when we talk about business and having trusted relationships, which we're going to talk about today on something I call intuitive branding, that trust starts in 33 milliseconds. That's how quick it is. And by the time that there's an exchange of either time, effort, or money, that takes up to 14 seconds. And so when you develop that trust in a business, and it has to be a two-way trust, so it's not only your intuition, but it's the intuition of the others have to believe you. So when you lead a company with purpose and you speak the truth and you know you honor your words and you, you treat people with empathy, all the buzzwords that we talk about, but you actually have to have these actions, then the intuition of others are going to trust you within Right. Remember, 33 milliseconds, you can't fake it. And so that when you establish that trust, that's when the top talent want to work for you. That's when the people want to buy from you because they love what your purpose is. And the marketplace is giving you high fives. And that's what happens. What you do is you starve. That's when you starve the uh, competitors because nobody's going to them. Yeah. And that's how you eliminate the competition in 14 seconds. And so when I started diving into the research of this, with the signals. These signals are very specific to each one of us because of our experiences are unique. So to give you a couple of examples, when it comes to positive signals, there was a CEO. He has now run two multi-million dollar businesses based on this omen that pops up on his right shoulder. And so there's no color or no shape, but whatever he's doing, whether he's dealing with a VC or a vendor or a partner or employees, 
this this woman pops up and he says, absolutely, yes. And like I say, two multi-million dollar businesses, one in the online shopping space, the other now bespoke clothing. And when it comes to negative signals, I was talking to one entrepreneur and he said, Sunil, no, nobody's ever asked me about intuitive signals. I mean, it's not as if, you know, I say, hey, Marlo, let's go for coffee. What are your intuitive signals, right? You're kind of going, ooh, this guy's a little loco there. It's not a question you ask. I was thinking temperature, what's the weather like? But when he was talking, he kept grabbing his left earlobe. And, and this is when he used to describe his failures. And so every single time he, he kept grabbing his left earlobe, he goes, Sunil, I just realized every bad decision I've made, my left earlobe gets hot and it starts pulsating with heat. So this is how unique your intuitive signals are. Okay. Now we've talked about this too. Yeah. When I'm working with clients, the four words to measure intuition is yeah. it light, heavy, expanded, or contracted? Okay. Yeah. And, and you and I talked about that because I'm really interested to get your take. And I'm not as immersed into the intuition. I've always said intuition's your oracle. I think your decisions need to be made in that space because when your gut says yes, I think it's a spot on. So whether it's a client you're trying to close, if there's something light and expansive, full of possibility, I think it's an all in. But if it's heavy or constricted in any way, I think you need to question things. Talk to me about that. Yeah. So, so the way I just, you're, you're absolutely spot on when it comes to sort of the characteristics of those signals. The way that I look at it is, is if you're, if it's a positive signal, it should feel like typically what's heard of is a flow, a pulling, uh, it just, it just feels right. And so for me, it is the dots connecting. I can see the dots connecting. It just, it just feels that I, when I make that decision, there's zero resistance. Yet when, if it's a negative intuitive signal or I'm making a bad decision, oftentimes it's something uncomfortable. And in, in my case, for example, my very first intuitive signal and the way that negative signals happen or work is that they start very subtle in nature. So Oprah calls it a whisper, but they start getting louder and they change until you can no longer ignore them anymore. So a couple of people I've interviewed, Marnie Kay was in a bad relationship and she kept going in the relationship until she actually heard the words, get out. Uh, and she had rashes and all that. And by the time she got rid of this guy, she was she was devastated, financially devastated. And another fellow running a nine-figure company, successful beyond anything in the mortgage area. He's mm-hmm. in the back of an Uber, ignored his intuition time and time again that was getting him to say quit. And he's in the back of the, uh, the Uber. And all of a sudden, he just blurts out the words, I quit. And so he goes to his boardroom. And he says, sorry, I mean, my time is, is that I got to move on. And funny enough, he left at the top at the peak, the market crash happens after that. And his, his company goes down. And so he got out at the exact moment he needed to based on his intuition. Otherwise he would have been going down in flames with the company as well. So that's how unique they are. And with the uncomfortable, so for me, for example, my very first signal is that my peripheral vision goes. I get super hyper-focused in front, my eyebrows cross, and that means that something, either there's a decision or what I'm thinking or the situation in front of me, whatever the case is, as soon as that thought of a decision comes in and I lose my focus on the sides, I'm making a bad decision. And so I know that when that happens to me, I take a step back, evaluate what's that decision, why was I thinking that, and why is my intuition telling me not to go down that road? That's how it functions for me. Now, you've had two very key stories that you've personally experienced. Can you share with our audience how those stories have impacted your intuition? 
So, yeah. So if this is my, my experience where um, if this is me coming in, so there's a couple other case stories that I've had. So I remember, you know, for me, when I was ignoring my intuition, you know, I got into a career for the wrong reasons, you know, doctor, lawyer, engineer, or failure, uh, the four doors for an East Indian. And I got into, into uh, engineering and I really hated it. And then in my second year, there was a Mexican restaurant chain that came up and I became a private investor. And very, very soon I was making Ten, uh, five times more in dividends and I was full-time as an engineer. I quit uh, engineering, become an entrepreneur, earned over $20 million in about uh, in five or six ventures, lost my relationship with my dad, became a management consultant, went down to Silicon Valley. And uh, even though the contract terms were changing, my intuition was saying, don't take the contract. I went down there and they never paid me, came back up to Canada penniless. And perhaps the most devastating was um, uh, when I was in engineering, I was doing personal coaching at the time. And a friend of mine was reaching out to me to say, Sunil, I need some advice. Can you help me? It's very urgent. And my intuition is saying, meet with her that afternoon. And uh, I had nothing that afternoon, but I had a bunch of people convince me to go for beers. And I said, can we meet a couple of days, a couple of days later? And as a good friend, she says, sure. And the very next day, the guy that was, there was a guy stalking her, which she needed advice on how to get away from him. He, the very next day, he uh, walked up to her at a bus shelter and put a bullet through her forehead and he killed her instantly. And that was one of the catalysts that got me to say, I really need to figure out this thing called intuition. And there were a couple of case studies now when we're talking about trust and, and uh, building that. And the one case study that I have, which really kind of solidifies this whole thing with two-way trusted relationships, I was known as a bit of a turnaround expert. And so one company, two co-CEOs had asked me to come in to save them. They were about $400,000 in the bank and they were just heading down. And, and I said, if you trust me, let me make the decisions. So we signed the contract and it was very apparent in, in the first meeting that nobody trusted the co-CEOs. You can tell by the body language, how they were responding to the questions, the types of questions, the snarky remarks. It was just, it was pervasive. There was no trust. So with a struggling cash, you know, cash poor company, what do I do? I raise the salaries and hourly rates of everybody. And yeah, I, and it was just to be respectable and then some. And so I think the two co-CEOs are wondering, okay, did we make a big mistake by hiring this guy? But what I ended up doing is that by just gaining that little bit of respect and asking them, the employees, how do you fix this company? Can you help me? Let's build this listening to them, taking down notes, implementing what they had, and showing them that I'm really doing their work on behalf of them. I gained such an amazing amount of trust that they started filling in a lot of things. No, 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 Sunil, let me do this for you. They started writing policies and procedures. They started you know, fixing all the, the wounds in the company so that I could actually expand. And then they backfilled with all the operational stuff, all the policies and procedures they took care of. And so we went from a struggling $400,000 company because of trust to three and a half million dollars in two and a half years. And when it comes to eliminating your competition in 14 seconds, which is what my tagline is, if you look at the typical, we were in the healthcare space in so, sort of uh, allied health, which is massage therapy, chiropractic, and physiotherapy. A typical physiotherapy type of operation in, in where we were was about, I'd say, two hundred fifty to $400,000 in revenues per year. We started doing it at a million plus. And so very quickly... The top talent from the other uh, companies around us, all the ones in the same space were coming to us. We had comp clients or patients that would come in in droves because we have such a fun, loving environment that three or four people all want to get treated by themselves. And then we had one person who was a police officer. He brought two other police officers. All of a sudden, that whole city's 
police division was coming to us. Um, and so we were able to just fill, we went from, you know, uh, uh, 32% vacancy in our calendar to 0.9% vacancy. It was full and we just, we enjoyed ourselves. And really soon, about six months or maybe even l- less than that, we had our competitors around us folding and phoning us to say, can you take our equipment? I mean, I, I need cash. How do I get out of this? And so that's how you crush your competition and eliminate it because of this thing called trust. And so that's what we did. And that's what I've done for a couple of the bigger Fortune 500 companies. One of them, Rogers uh, Wireless, we launched a pay-as-you-go thing and the packaging and everything and how we did the sales. Uh, they went from number six, I believe, is in the market to number one in the market because the sales of that just by talking the way that we talk to the customers, how we engage them, the packaging, how we got them to open it. Very much like what Apple does today, that experience and the, and the type of people we catered to. And we crushed the market. And we were the first to market for the pay-as-you-go uh, phones. And pretty soon after that, the competitors started falling in line, but they were way behind. We got the top of the market when uh, when I came on board. So again, taking care of the customer, how they do things, their customer journey, taking care of the employees and getting them to trust you by treating them properly, you kill the competition because nobody else wants to work for you or buy from you if you're not doing that. Well, you're getting the buy-in. I mean, that trust component, you're essentially, you know, you're empowering them. And when they have that power, they feel like they're a wee bit in control and therefore they are starting to trust what's, you know, what's turning around and what's going to happen. And I think that there's a lot to be said about that. Okay. So can we learn intuition and trust? I mean, how, give us some insight right there. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very quick example. You take a sheet of paper on one side, put the good decisions on the other side, put the bad decisions. What in the past were your good decisions and how did it feel like? In the moment. So in your case, you've got the four types of feelings. For me, what I like to get get down to is, okay, actually describe it. And on the negative ones, when the bad decisions, uh, list what the bad decisions, but what you have to be careful when it comes to bad decisions is make sure is that the first bad decision or was that accumulation of bad decisions? So you need to get to the first one. So let's say, Marlo, you and I do this exercise. And let's say you're really on spot, you're spot on and you do your homework and I'm Mr. Lazy. And we both come to the realization that a gut feeling is signal number one. Let's, let's say for you, it actually is. If I haven't done my homework and my gut feeling is actually signal number three, because I've been lazy and I didn't do find out what signal number one or two was, the next time I get a gut feeling, I've missed signal number one and signal number two, which means I've missed... I've made two bad decisions. Bad decision number one, bad decision number two. That could be me just stubbing my toe or I could be headed towards bankruptcy. I don't know. So very quickly, you can get an inventory of your positive signals and your inventory of your negative signals. And if you make a bad decision, failure is amazing because what you do is that goes into the subconscious of your brain. You missed a signal. What was it? And then you add that back into um, your, uh, your, your inventory of signals. Um, and the other thing that I think is really important is that what fuels these signals is our four types of intuition. Uh, and I'll very quickly take you through a story of these four types of intuition through a case study of a, where I took a non-believer into a believer using these four by just educating him. So this was a, a guy who was in, is an investment banker. 
you know, spreadsheets love them. When you talk about intuition and manifestation and, and he's going like, uh, yeah, no. So I, I called upon my friend, John Rothschild was one of my first interviewees. And, and he says, intuition, what you want to talk about? What? That doesn't exist. You know, like, what are you talking about? And so anyways, he said, come down, I'll give you an hour. I haven't seen you for a while. We'll talk about this, this, whatever you want to talk about for five minutes. And, and you know, let's, let's catch up. So I'm thinking, oh my God, this is going to be a really interesting interview. So I turn on the camera and I'm telling him about the CEO that, that has these, you know, pulsating heat. And I'm telling him about the CEO that sees omens. And he's like looking at me as if I, I just came off the psych board. Uh, he just said, uh, yeah, you know what, Sunil, uh, I would really like to shake that guy's hand, but listen, intuition doesn't exist. Everything in life is about learning and experience. And so now here's where we get into the four types of intuition. The first of the four is called experiential intuition. And so if you look at your, your, your brain like an iceberg, 90% below water, subconscious, 10% above water, conscious. When you're born, you have five to 6,000 events per day. When you're older, 20, 28 to 35,000 events. Every single piece of those events, those decisions, those experiences go into the subconscious brain, area of the brain, like a library. So when you make a decision, you have billions and billions and billions of data points that are based on your learning, both good and bad, and your experience, both formal and informal. And in some cases, your intuition has you go against the data. And John was saying, that's really funny you mentioned that, Sunil. I have an example. And he was saying that he was in the uh, business of doing franchise locations. So a nine out of 10 meant that they put a franchise, like a McDonald's or Wendy's or what have you. And they looked at demographics. Uh, they looked at uh, you know the, the area and traffic patterns and all that stuff. There was this really crappy area of Toronto that he goes into. And now we're getting to the second of the two called situational intuition. He walks into that area. And much like when, when we've all walked into something, we go, huh? something's off here. So he goes into that situation, to that area. And he says, I think we should be putting something here because this was a five and a half out of 10, this location. That's what his team said. But John was saying, I, I, I really think we should put one. And so he says, perhaps intuition, I'm not sure. He's still defending himself. And he goes ahead and he puts a location there. That location ends up being the best, most profitable out of his whole portfolio called the beer market. Um, and so now John's getting it. And then at some point, John's purpose changes. He no longer wants to be an investment banker. He actually wants to run a company. And so now we're going to get into the third of the four called relational intuition. Relational intuition filters people through that you only allow in the inner circle that who really care about you and where you're going and your purposes, not yes people. These are people that will give you constructive criticism, but they're not the naysayers. They're not the ones who are selfish in giving their advice. These are the real, the real ones that you really want around you. So all the people concerned about money, fame, ego, high-end restaurants, all that stuff, safety, they were all saying, John, you're absolutely nuts. There's only one person that actually asked him a question why, and that was his wife. He said, why, John, why are you doing this? And now I'm paraphrasing. This is now an hour into our interview after him saying intuition does not exist. This is on camera, by the way. He says, sometimes you can have all the data, but you have to trust your intuition. This just feels right. And so the fourth of the four is called creative intuition, which is the actual decision-making one. And so if you're making a sandwich, you're turning left at the lights, it's not very creative. Creative intuition is pretty low. 
But in John's case, he's moving from a three to four million dollar a year job uh, as a career as an investment banker to a new business. And so you would think that his intuition would th- pick, uh, you know, if you're going to run a business, it's got to have healthy cash flows, good revenues, and a strong balance sheet. Not his intuition. His intuition says, John, you're going to run this tiny bankrupt little restaurant. And so he quits his job, rolls up his sleeves, and walks into that tiny bankrupt little restaurant. That restaurant ended up being Eastside Mario's location number one. And over the next 20 years, he grew that to over $2 billion, over a 1,000 locations under different brand names, all because it felt Right. And those four types of intuition all work together to feed those signals. So if any one of those four sees that there's something wrong, it's going to give you a negative signal. So the signals are actually backed by a very powerful engine. And it is based on learning experience, which is one of the common misconceptions. And and that's how powerful that intuition is. So when you get a signal, it is powerful. So is intuition energy? I mean, is, is there an energy source? Is it a, a Zen component where you can like put yourself into a state of intuition? What have you found in that space? So because intuition hits the amygdala, there's no capacity for language. So when I typically ask somebody, what's your definition of intuition? It's really up to them to define what that is. What I say is that you have it. Here are the signals trust the signals and you'll make good decisions. So some people think it's energy. Some people think it's it's just learning experience. Some people think it's manifestation. Some people think it's voices from God. And to me, how you define it doesn't matter. It's based on your experience, your language, your definition, your learning. How you want to define it is up to you. I'm just going to say, define it the way you want. I've interviewed over 1,300 people. If you have a definition of theirs that you pick up on that you like, great. Use it. I'm just saying that you find out what your signals are and then and learn about them. And then if it's a positive signal, make the decision. If it's a negative signal, back away. Uh, and that's as far as I go. And again, it's, it's back to the science because it's, it's, it's how you define it. So if I say it's voices from God, you're going to look at me going, <laughs> if you don't believe that. I've had that where I've got the, the vice president of 3M. When I was going in with a, uh, there was a, there was a co- interview with me. And, and this guy, he's saying, yeah, intuition is all about experience. And so my co-interviewee was saying, uh, uh, do you think there's a, there's a spiritual component to it? And he looks at him saying, uh, what are you drinking? Like, there's no spiritual component to intuition. What are you talking about? It's about learning and experience. So for him, he, that's how he defines intuition. And he tells of a story where he's, he's 30 years of packaging in a certain way. And intuitively, he knows there's a medical product that came in that intuitively says, we can't package this way that we've been doing for 30 years, it has to be something different. And that because of what he did intuitively, what against his experience, he turned a loss making medical product into a profit gaining medical product because simply about the packaging and his intuition helping him figure that out. So do we nurture it? I mean, like, so once you understand what your signals are, is there a way to nurture it? Yeah, I mean, there's always learning going on. So there is typically we would all have our signals very, very early on. And the problem is that we, we tend to poo poo them. And, and there's a number of reasons. We start living our values through other people, what other people are, the old experience, the old ways of doing things. And even though our intuition is saying go this way, we typically fall away from that because maybe it doesn't look good and, uh, or ego or things like that. There's a lot of these kind of hurdles and fear is a big one as well. 
right? So, you know, if, if you have a fear, then you don't really want to move in a certain direction. And one of the case studies I, I talk about a lot in my podcast interviews is a fellow by the name of David Dame and his, uh, and he ta- he's, he's a leader as well. And he uses failure and fear as a leadership lesson for the people he leads. And so he was in, he's been in a wheelchair all his life and he wanted to, his dream was to go on a beach and feel the water and the sand in his toes. And there was one, he used to ignore that all the time because he used to go on beaches all the time, but his, his wheelchair would be always at the clubhouse. And his intuition got so strong that he finally said, I'm going to do it. And so he gets his wife and his colleagues to uh, wheel him up to the edge where the sand and the water come in. They stand him up and his biggest fear happens and he falls flat in, in the water. And the immediate thing that he talks about to, when he was telling me the story is, what are people going to think? I'm so embarrassed. How can this happen to me? I'm never going to do this again. But he says, at that, in- that moment, I have two things that I can do. I can succumb to the fear and get back in that wheelchair and forever regret turning my dream into a reality. I am right here. Or I can actually listen to that voice that's telling me, take a step in the water, Dave. It's okay. Take another step. And take another step. And so he takes the step in the water and his, the water gets up to the chin area. And then he turns around and he was blown away by how far he came. And so when you live in the present moment, when you listen to the signals, even though it's in the face of fear, if it's a positive signal, it, your intuition is saying, yeah, you may be fearful, but this is where the doors of opportunities are going to be. This is where you got to go because that's going to land you success. And so you have to battle that fear over time. That fear becomes smaller and smaller and smaller because you've battled it again and again. And there's another thing I say that if you ignore your signals, the cost to you is actually doubled in something that I call opportunity cost. And there's a very good case study that I have a fellow in two, back in 2016, a fellow by the name of Vin Jang, international magician, speaking to 100,000 people in 80 stages in 2016. It has the BMW or the Mercedes downtown LA condo keeping up with the Joneses, the fake lifestyle Rolex, everything, everything externally looked beautiful, except that his intuition was saying, you need to change right now. And it got so loud in 2016 that he tells his wife, I got to figure this out. I'm so unhappy. I'm so unhappy. And he goes to New Zealand and no cell phone service takes a bunch of uh, office equipment with him. And he starts to put up these values up on the wall, which he thought were his values. And he goes, that's funny. This is what my audience wants. This is what my manager wants. This is what my family wants. Where's Vin Jang? Where am I? He takes those values down. He puts up his own values. And he said what he thought was a cathartic experience, what he thought was going to be uplifting, was haunting. These values were haunting because for the first time in his life, he gave himself permission to be Vin, to live his life through his values. And so he comes back with all energized and he goes back to the same old friends, same old lifestyle. Six months go by, his parents come up from Australia and his mom takes him aside and he says, there's this Vietnamese saying that when you hang around squid, you're going to get ink on you. And his mom says, you have a lot of ink. This is not my boy. And he just, he had an intuitive moment saying, you're right. He sells this uh, Mercedes, gets the minivan, ditches the downtown LA apartment, cuts off all ties with all these fake people. And he moves out to the suburb and he started living his life. He lived his, loved it. 
And, but that was six months. And so one of the things I told him when I was had my podcast interview with him is I said, well, Vin, it's not just the six months that you lost ignoring your intuition. It's also the six months that you lost that you did you lost because you didn't trust your intuition. So opportunity cost is actually telling me that you've lost a full year of your life. And if you're in the business of helping a hundred thousand people a year through your speaking, how many people did you leave behind? How many people did you not help? And he said, I've never, ever thought about that like this. Uh, Sunil, this is just absolutely amazing. Okay, so we're coming into the end of our episode and just fascinating stuff. I think intuition as an entrepreneur, you know, we don't have, it's it's the, the path of most resistance because nobody tells us how to go from point A to point B. A lot of the intuition that we have actually guides the success that we receive. So how can we, you know, connect to this? How can we find out more about who you are so our, our listeners can be... Um, have, you know, be in your circle of influence. Where can we find you? Absolutely. So on the personal side, if they, if people want to get rid of the relationships that are holding them back from success, they can go to intuitionology.com. There's a free seven day challenge there. In fact, I have, I have two people that go through the challenge with you. One person actually sells his house uh, in that seven day challenge. It goes from minus 20,000 to plus 50,000. The second person is someone who walked into uh, her boyfriend's apartment after he had murdered their best friend in the bathtub. He locks the door puts a knife to her back and says, I'm already going away for one murder. Might as well make it two. Her intuition calms him down, calms her down, finds a moment to leave. But she suffered from PTSD, depression, anxiety until she found what I was doing. And in that seven-day challenge, she actually learns to trust people to actually leave her apartment so she can go to the gym and to walk. And so if those two people can do the seven-day challenge to solve their problems, I'm sure you can find one problem that you can use your intuition to solve. If it comes to intuitive branding and you want to know how to eliminate your competition, which I've done for so many other organizations, you go to snailgodsey.com and book a call with me and see how my team and I can help you either in the full spectrum or just HR marketing sales. But we'll get you to peel away the competition so that you are the brand of choice in the marketplace. Snell, this is absolutely fantastic. I, I just love the energy, love the stories. And uh, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. You can also find more details about Sunil on today's show notes and our website, marlohiggins.com. Thank you for listening. And we look forward to having you join us next week. This is Marlo Higgins, your host and person for having it all. Did you enjoy this conversation as much as I did? If you're looking for more conversations like these, be sure to subscribe and please leave a review of the podcast. Subscribing and leaving a review helps it show up on your phone every time a new episode is released and leaving a review helps other people like you find us so they can get the help they need so they can live their best life. Also, subscribe to our weekly email on our website at marlohiggins.com. This is the place that we share insider tips with our audience and drop polarizing insights with you. Remember, the road to success is better with friends. So be sure to share this episode to help all of you reach your goals together. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, success is universally desired, personally defined, and always within reach.